For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Another week, a little bit closer to Thanksgiving, a little bit closer to the holidays. Uh, hope that you guys have, uh, are getting your Christmas shopping done. There's a lot going on. We had a, uh, a tough weekend on the gridiron and uh, a good weekend on the hardwood. Got a big week ahead. This Mississippi State men's and women's both have uh, big games coming up. Mississippi State a weapon. At welcome Abilene Christian to Starkville this weekend for homecoming. Mississippi State's FCS opponent. We'll see how things unfold there. Before we get to all that, though, we'll recap the weekend that was. We'll look at what Mississippi State did uh, against Alabama. And get into the whole deal with uh, men's basketball and, and uh, kind of where things stand. Like many of you, uh, I'm frustrated with some things. And I think that's fair. You know, some of us express our frustration differently than others. Some of us are a little over the top. But, uh, but you know, I think we need to take an, a, you know, an objective look at things. It's interesting. A lot of people feel their opinion is objective, whether it is or it isn't. Uh, but I see both sides of the coin. My loyalty is to Mississippi State, not to a person or a you know, coach or a player. My loyalty is to Mississippi State. And like all of you, I want Mississippi State to do well. Mississippi State didn't do well on Saturday. And, and, and to be fair, we didn't expect Mississippi State to win the game. I did expect a more competitive game. And we came out right out of the gate and, and did not look competitive. So we're going to get into that, and then we're kind of going to get into what uh, what the rest of the week looks like. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, continuing to get great reviews out of our friends in Tupelo about the new location there. Had a couple people message me, to, and uh, a couple even tweeted me about their um, about the spring rolls. They never had them before. You got to have the spring rolls, man. That, that's that's part of the Bulldog Burger Company experience. So Bulldog Burger Company is a place where you can get a re- great restaurant-quality hamburger, great atmosphere, great pricing, great food, great service. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a family night, a lot of range at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you on University here in Starkville. It is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. And now on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-N. Tea. Go by and let those folks serve you. They're happy, happy, happy to have you come in. So uh, so let's get into football first, and we'll get into basketball. 
You know, so here's the first thing that I'll, and I, I said this on the Facebook live show last night and uh, do that a couple times a week over on the, on the uh, Gene's page, Facebook. That's the Bulldogs 247 uh, Facebook. I always share that with all the Facebook groups, but you can come have the Facebook live experience with me a couple times a week. One of the things that upset me right out of the gate, okay, is we, we make a decision to sky kick it. And uh, some people say, well, it's a pooch kick. No, it, it, it was a sky kick. You, you pooch a punt, you sky kick. And the thinking is, okay, we're going to kick it high and short inside the 30, and we're going to run down there and cover it, and chances are they're going to they're gonna just signal for a fair catch, and we don't have to go cover the kick because they've got one of the best kick returners in the country. And so rather than roll the dice with our shaky coverage units, Let's just go ahead and remove that possibility. Okay, I don't disagree with that line of thinking because we have struggled to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. Because ideally, that's what you want to do. If you can just go ahead and kick it deep and get the touchback, you take that. But when you're unable to do that, when you're struggling to consistently put the ball in the end zone, I, I get the line of thinking of, okay, let's just pin them back deep as best we can and avoid the return. So I don't really have as big of a uh, qualm with the play call as I do the execution so we miss hit the kick it's short they fair catch it at the 40 yard line we'd have been better squibbing the thing down the field goodness we just kicked out of bounds they'd have done better but we we, we pooch it we sky it and there wasn't a lot of sky under that not a lot of air in that kick but we, we, we miss execute that play and so we're automatically we're giving it to him at the 40. And here's the thing about that, too. To, it was just a comedy of errors. To add insult to injury, not only did we mis-execute or we failed to execute that sky kick, we're off sides on the play. And if what I saw and heard was correct, we were off sides on the opposite side of the field. So, like, we're going we're gonna to sky kick it to the right and then somebody on the left – is offsides. They couldn't have made that play if they wanted to, but yet we're offsides. And again, it's just another special teams failure right out of the gate. So we give Alabama one of the most prolific offenses in the country, the ball at the 45-yard line. And in five plays and 55 yards, they go right down and they score. Najee Harris on a 10-yard run. Uh, it, it, it was not a good opening, but wait, there's more. We get the ball back, and, uh, you know, we start at the 25. You know, we have begun kind of fair catching those uh, those kickoffs. You know, rather than rather than fielding it at the goal line and running out to the 12, we have begun to fair catch those and taking the ball to 25, which is the right decision, especially with our with our issues on special teams. Because at the very least, if you think, okay, if you get one first down and get out around 35 on your punt, you know, you, you've at least got an opportunity to flip the field. But uh, So we fair catch it. We're out there at the 25. And then Tommy Stevens never sees Shane Lee, throws it right to him. We're trying to get Farad Green there. And, and Farad's open on the play. But we've locked in on the target. We're not seeing the field well. We throw it right to Shane Lee. He returns it to the 19. And I will be honest with you, at that point, I thought the game was over. And I hate to sound negative, but that, that's how I felt at the moment. I said, well, here we go. Here we go. 
Well, it takes one play, and uh, mercifully, and uh, they just throw the wheel route. Najee Harris has two touchdowns with less than uh, two minutes of actual football being played. It's 14-0. We fair catch it again. We come out, and this was actually a good drive. And again, they granted Alabama's up 14-0. We spotted them two touchdowns. But we come out there, and I thought we played with some vigor. Kylan goes for seven. Tommy rushes for 27, and that's basically a new wrinkle. He is running the ball with much more conviction. Kylan goes for three. Kylan goes for one. And then, then, and then we get sacked, but there is a 15-yard penalty on Raekwon Davis for face mask. They give us the first down. We worked the ball out there to Colin Hill, and that's one of the things we have talked about on this show many times, and you guys have, have shared the same sentiment. you got to find a way to get Colin more involved, especially on days when the running game is not there. We did a good job early. We get the ball out to him for 19 yards, big catch. We're right down there. We run and uh, a couple games down there, and we let Colin put an end zone. And uh, good effort there. And now it's 14-7. Okay, we're thinking, okay, all right. All right, we, we had a, an awful start. You know, we're back in the ballgame. We're back in the ballgame here. Defense comes out, gets a big play right out of the gate. Nathan Pickering, Errol Thompson, big sack on Tua Tagovailoa. And uh, they're behind the chains, second and 18. And then there is a uh, pass interference. I have not seen the replay, so you can go ahead and save your your uh, your tweets. I saw hand fighting on both sides down there on the sidelines. Rugs and dance for both. And in those situations, more times than not, you're going to get a no call there. But there was a call there. And basically, you negate the sack and you give them a first down. And then you begin to think the difference in that play call. If they let that go, it's third and 18. Third and 18. Instead, though, Najee Harris rushes for 14. No gain, one yard. And then we complete to, uh, to Jerry Judy. And uh, makes a long catch. That's on third down. Then we go right back to him, and uh, he's called for the face mask. Kind of the rare call there on the uh, offensive face mask. Was the right call, but it didn't really slow him down. We get him backed up again. They're inside the 20, but uh, there is uh, a, a negative rush. And to be fair, I really thought that uh, the young defensive line from Mississippi State played well. Najee Harris goes for negative two, and then there's a personal foul. One of their uh, guys comes up to the pile late. So now it's second and 28. Then they work it outside to Najee Harris for 23, and thinking, and I remember thinking he was going to score there. And then there is the uh, pass interference on Brian Cole against Jalen Waddle, and uh, first down. So again, and listen, Mississippi State has some guys that are pretty good defensive backs. Alabama has elite receivers. They don't just have good receivers or great receivers. They've got elite receivers. And so we wanted to double the inside receivers at times to kind of force them to throw the ball outside or we could kind of use the boundaries, a bit of an extra defender. But we weren't able to execute that. So we're having to kind of hold and grab and that sort of stuff, and we got dinged for it right there. Harris runs for another touchdown, and that's 21-7. Then you're thinking, okay, let's come back here and try to kind of answer and stay in the ball game. Doesn't happen. 
Uh, we tried to get the ball outside of Dedrick Thomas. Osiris Mitchell called for a hold there. I, there wasn't a lot there, but it was probably enough to get a call. Now it's first and 19. So we're right behind the chains again. We're completing the Gibson loss of yardage. Incomplete to, to Osiris, and we're punting. Um, I take that back. We did have that extra play where we run the Nick, to Nick Gibson. But, again, it's a four-play drive, and we lose a yard. We gain nothing in that situation. Alabama has dominated the first quarter, thanks in large part to Mississippi State miscues and penalties. And when you're as talented as Alabama is, and you're playing a team as talented as Alabama, you cannot give them extra downs or extra first downs. And so we kind of played right into that. And, and essentially the game was over after the first quarter. Many people expected that. I think they thought Alabama would just dominate the game, but Mississippi State, again, aids in their own demise. They had a second, a, a, the first touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, pass to Jalen Waddle makes it 28-7. to And then offensively, we kind of went into a shell. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't see a lot of exotic stuff from Alabama. I thought they pretty much played base defense. I didn't see a whole lot. And granted, I may not be the most astute observer of defensive play calling, that sort of stuff. But I didn't think Alabama did a lot. I think they just simply out-athleted Mississippi State. We had a really difficult time getting the corner against that Alabama defense. And a lot of people will. And, and to be fair, this is not the Alabama defense of old. You know, this is not an Alabama defense that could go out there. I mean, you, you put up 14 points, they can make it stand up for you. So Alabama again gets the ball, and uh, it's a passing clinic, it seemed. 13 plays, 70 yards. Najee Harris cashes in. It's 35-7, to and all of a sudden it felt like we were back on the plains at Auburn. Hot, sticky, irritated. That's how it felt at Auburn. The only difference was this time is the temperature was different. We were at home. We weren't going to be facing that long drive home. But at this point, there were a lot of people that were already ready to cash out. We come back again here, and uh, again we get you know a penalty that kind of aids a bulldog drive. Zuber, we were on the end around for two yards, and then if, you know again we almost had special teams disaster on the kick return. Zuber loses the ball in the sun, and Derek Thomas has to grab it. That's insane to me. Uh, then we're incomplete to Zuber. Then we're incomplete to Stephen Guidry. Quarterback Curry by Xavier McKinney called for roughing the passer. Was the right call. But we're at, at the point now where we're kind of hoping to get a call to extend the drive. That's kind of how it felt. It just, we didn't feel like we had much of a semblance of offense. Kylan goes for two. Kylan goes for three. We're incomplete to Zuber. Guess what? We're punting again. And we get a 38-yard punt. 38 yards. We finally get a pretty good stop defensively, okay? We And, again, it's 35-7. <laughs> um, but this is when things kind of changed. You know, a lot, a lot changed here, not just with the game, not just with Alabama, but with college football. Alabama has to drive, and uh, Leo Lewis, Marquis Spencer on third and four, uh, they take two a down. And uh, he has a hip injury. And uh, it's one of those things, you know, everybody says that you hate to see it. But uh, this is a guy, too, that was probably, you know, a few months away from signing, you know, contract worth millions of dollars. And all that seems to be in jeopardy. And, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. You just never know what's going to happen now. A lot of discussion now about him taking uh, 
going to Houston, Texas to uh, see a specialist, and then they'll begin to kind of bring him back. Some also discussions about this being the same injury that uh, cost Bo Jackson his career. I hope that is not the case. I hope with the advancements in, in medicine since that time that they can uh, get him back on the field. Wish him the best. Moving on from that, uh, we get the ball back, and it's one of those deals where, okay, can we get anything going? And we won the toss, so we're going to get the ball first in the second half. And, and the game is already over, but you just think, okay, they've had this emotional moment. Let's try to put a drive together. Kylan goes for two. We're complete to Kylan for no gain, complete to Gibson for five. And that's kind of the story of the day because Alabama played two high safeties and just said, you know what, come get us. Just come get us. And we didn't. We, we checked that ball down, checked the ball down, checked the ball down. We did not have the athletes to consistently make them miss in space because of the fact there's just a talent gap between Mississippi State and Alabama. And to be fair, two years ago, I thought that the talent, was, uh, the talent gap was much closer. And even though we have recruited better than we have in recent years, the team we put on the field Saturday was nowhere close to Alabama. And I'm not a self-loathing Mississippi State fan, but I'll just call it like I see it. Uh, even with Maurice Smitherman starting, I think those Alabama wide receivers were going to have their way with Mississippi State. And it's one of those things you kind of have to pick your poison. If you're going to go out there and double cover people in the secondary, then they're going to run the football. They've got arguably the best offensive line in all of college football. And so if you sell out to stop the run, all of a sudden you're in man coverage against the best receiving core in the SEC, save maybe LSU. But that's what happened. When you don't have players, it doesn't matter what scheme you run. So we get the ball first out of the half, and uh, Kylan runs for four, and then Tommy ran for 46 yards. And again, that's kind of a new wrinkle. You know, we're able to get, you know, some explosive plays in the run game from Tommy. Cowan runs for one. We're complete to Dedrick Thomas, and uh, we end up turning the ball over on downs. I didn't really like the play call there. We get down there close. It's third and fourth to 19. We rush Tommy, and then we go with Cowan. I would have given Cowan the ball on third down. I don't, I'm not one that second guesses play calling a lot, but Cowan goes for one on a fourth and two play, you know. He's your NFL guy. You you think you hope that you can go out there and get some yards with him. And he got close, but he was short. Even though they reviewed the spot, uh, he was short. Six plays, 59 yards, and the Bulldogs get nothing to show for it. I do at least like the fact, and I and I'm 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 searching for things to feel good about uh, in this ball game, is that we didn't just say okay, let's go kick the field goal, or uh, you know, we're at least trying to win the ball game here. We're at least trying to do something amount some sort of offense uh, we turn the ball over on downs and then uh, they go right down and score it is uh it is now a 38-7 ball game defense I thought when we got a little bit back up there bowed their backs a little bit played a little bit better and of course now you're, you're you're dealing with Mac Jones a quarterback now and all due respect to Mac Jones he is no Tua but also too you've got Alabama now that's a little bit shell-shocked after what they've been through conservative play calling for the most part. Uh, but they get the field goal. And then from there, it was really just, you know, I thought State tried to get some things going, weren't able to get them going. Uh, Kyle rushes for six, then we're complete to Farad for 30. We have done a good job on that, you know, little counteraction. We, we faked the play action, and then uh, 
throw it out to the fraud in the flats. We've run that several times. So you get a big thing going now. You're in Alabama territory. Kylan runs for five, then we lose six, so we're incomplete to Osiris, and then we end up punting a 28-yard punt to the Alabama 12. Come out, Alabama has a, you know, a decent drive, I guess, but they get behind the chains a little bit due to a motion penalty. We're able to get off the field. We get the ball back. And at this point, you know, we're, we're just trying to find, you know, a garbage touchdown, some way to win the fourth quarter. You know, that, that's become, you know, popular among some coaches. Hey, let's try to go win the fourth quarter. Uh, the game's already decided. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of all of this uh, – moral victories you know, when the game is you, you've got to learn to score when the game matters and this isn't just about mississippi state there are a lot of people that make that you know that they make headlines with all these you know garbage touchdowns or whatever and i'm sure there are mississippi state people that say you know what we'd love to have some garbage some touchdowns and garbage time but in order to take the next step as a football program you've got to be able to win the line of scrimmage and you've got to be able to score when the game is still in doubt when you're down 55 to nothing and then you go put together a couple of scoring drives in the fourth quarter, that's nothing to feel good about. Because more times than not, you're playing against backups and, and walk-ons, that sort of stuff. That's not how it works. There, there, there's, no, there's no victory in that. So we come out and start the fourth quarter, get a couple things going. Tommy again rushes for 17 yards. Uh, and then Nick runs for four. We're incomplete to Gidry. Complete to Giddy for 10, Nick for 6, Tommy rushes and loses a yard. Nick Gibson runs for 4, it's 4th and 1. We elect to go for it. We're complete to Stephen Giddy there. And you could pretty, you could tell that uh, Giddy on those, uh, you know, running those crossing routes and dig routes, that, that was the, uh, the route of choice against the Alabama defense. We bring in Garrett and we run the, uh, the quarterback, the two-quarterback package for the first time. I like to see him do that. It's because... I think you're setting up something else later. Uh, but we've been here. We've heard about that for a while. We only ran the two-quarterback package one time last year, and that was in the Outback Bowl. We've now shown that. And so we give it to Garrett, and there's a loss of one. Then we're, then Tommy Stevens is incomplete. Uh, Nick Gibson runs for five. And then we go for it again on fourth down, and we, we miss Zuber. If I'm not mistaken, that's one he probably should have caught. Then Alabama comes out, kind of a nondescript drive. They get a lot of the backups in at this point. They're just trying to kind of manage the game and get out of there. And I'm still feel like they're all just kind of shocked and ready to go. But the final offensive drive of the day for Mississippi State, and you're thinking, let's just get something out of this. Stevens goes for two, Gibson for four. Gibson gets loose for 20. Then we're incomplete to Jaquarius Spivey. Uh, Tommy Stevens complete to Weatherspoon for three. Nick Gibson for one. And then we go for it again on fourth and six. And Ben Davis basically – destroyed Tommy Stevens there. We never really saw it coming. And then Alabama Nielsen runs out the clock. And uh, and that's the game. And the headline, of course, is uh, you know, Tua getting banged up and, and is out for the year, possibly uh, for all of next year, too. Our more immediate concern is uh, we lost C.J. Morgan for the year as well. The much maligned C.J. Morgan, uh, who has played hard for Mississippi State, given the best that he can that he can put together for you. and uh, But that's it, you know. And so that's the third starter, pardon me, that's the third regular on defense and the second starter that has been lost for the year. You lose Maurice Smitherman for the year, Cameron Young for the year, 
and now C.J. Morgan. And so that's two starters off the defense that's already, uh, you know, missing some, some big pieces from a year ago. I really believe that, uh, you know, with Marcus Murphy back there at safety in the Egg Bowl, that, that, that that's probably a good thing. I think in that respect, you know, you, you could probably manage any issues rotation-wise or depth-wise in a secondary because you've got an FCS opponent, and then you get the Tudor Gate 10 guys back. And that's the thing about this coming weekend is that this is the final suspension game for the Tudor Gate 10. You get through this weekend, that's finally behind you, and you'll be full strength for the Egg Bowl, barring the guys that are injured. Looking at the box score, uh, Tommy Stevens 12 of 21 for just 82 yards, so a good percentage there. But, again, it's one of those things where we're checking down, checking down, checking down, checking down because we can't take the deep shot there. We have some guys that just simply couldn't get open against league competition. Alabama secondary, loaded with future NFL guys. We didn't take our chances. We threw the one interception on a, uh, a misread early, and we took one sack. And so the offensive line and pass pro was actually pretty good, but on the box score. When you look at the game, there were some times that Tommy Stevens kind of ran for his life. I do like the fact that the internal clock with him is going off, and he's getting out making a play rather than just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. Stevens also is your leading rusher with 96 yards on the day, long of 46. Nate Gibson, 56 yards. Along a 20, Colin Hill, 35 35 yards on 16 carries. He was clearly a focal point of the Alabama defense, and rightfully so. But this has kind of been a recurring theme against some of these leader, these uh, these elite defenses, is that we're having a tough time getting Colin Hill going. And that's not necessarily a reflection of Colin Hill. Our offensive line has struggled to kind of create some running lanes for him. There are some other times, rather than just simply putting his foot in the ground and getting upfield, he tries to run wide, and as a result, the uh, containment kind of catches up with him. And, uh, and so that's something that we will consider. Uh, when he played Texas A&M, I thought Colin, A&M and Arkansas both, Colin did a great job just simply getting that field running through tackles. I thought that was missing on, on Saturday. Uh, Farad Green, the long catch of 30, he's your leading receiver. Yardage-wise, Colin Hill, Three catches, 21 yards. Stephen Guidry, three catches, 18 yards. Uh, pretty nondescript outside of that offensively. Just not a good day on offense. Really not a good day much of anywhere, to be honest with you. And I think we all see the same things. Uh, Errol Thompson's your leading tackler with nine tackles. Tyler Williams. If you want to look at a guy that is kind of playing his way into a starting position next year, it's, it's Williams. Eight tackles. Uh, had a forced fumble. Played pretty well at times, and uh, he'll be better for the experience. Aquarius Landrews with seven, C.J. Morgan with six, and, you know, he has lost for the year. It is a knee injury to C.J. We're not exactly sure of the specifics. Perhaps Joe Moorhead will talk more about that today. Brian Cole with six tackles. Marquis Spencer having a pretty good ball game, and that's one of the things that I have noticed and people have been critical of him. Marquis Spencer is quietly having a very good year for Mississippi State. Might be the uh, the biggest bright spot on that defensive front, to be honest with you. I thought Jaden Crumity played well. Uh, I think Fabian Lovett and those guys are kind of growing up before our eyes. I, I really thought the defensive line played better against a run, and, and even though the fact that Alabama is uh, pretty strong on that offensive line. Again, you've heard me say one of the best in the country. 
But, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't know that we see anybody the rest of the year that's going to be quite that good on the offensive line. Tucker Day, five punts, 39.4 average, long of 48. A couple of those he's trying to pin inside the 20. One of them he did. Really no other special teams um, issues to, to mention. We only kicked off only kicked off twice, you know. Um, and Dedrick Thomas had the one return when Isaiah Zuber lost the ball in the sun. So that's where all of that is. And so, again, that's a game we expected to lose, but I think we expected to be a little more competitive. Again, because this Alabama defense is not quite what it has been. And then after we had the Arkansas game and the bye week to kind of prepare – I think most of us expected Mississippi State to come out and be able to put some points on the board, and, and we really couldn't even do it late. And one of the things that I thought about, too, is after Tua went down, and this is all in hindsight because at the ball game you're thinking, man, I can't believe this is happening right here at Davis Wade Stadium. But uh, I thought later, you know, listen, I thought we'd mount a drive or two, you know, late in the ball game because we kept a lot of our starters in the game and uh, had a chance to go down there and put some points on the board, and we weren't able to do it, you know, against a team that uh, was playing a lot of reserves late. And uh, that is cause for concern. That's the thing that – that's the burr in the Bulldog saddle, isn't it? You know, it's like, okay, it's one of the things to lose, and we knew this was going to be a difficult year. I think, I think, I think the most objective of us probably said seven and five year, and the optimistic people like me were thinking, you know what, maybe an eight and four year. And then the pessimist in us said, okay, six and six year. And now we're all hoping for a six and six year. And most of us made those prognostications before we knew the severity of the sanctions for the Tudorgate situation. But now that all that is known, I think in hindsight, we say, you know what? Yeah, they always drop a game they shouldn't. And then you factor in these issues with injuries, and then this is where we are. And a lot of people feel like we're going in the wrong direction. It is impossible to uh, to look at this season and not understand that uh, our defen- defensive play would be a lot different had we had Lee Autry and Willie Gay and Marcus Murphy at our disposal. That, however, doesn't explain a lot of the issues on offense. Some of the issues on offense, and um, we have discussed the recruiting issues on the defensive line on this show many times. You know, those, those chickens have kind of come home to roost. We kind of mismanaged that that personnel group and while we have recruited very well we, we got out of balance and so when you look at and people have a revisionist history at times and I'm guilty of that myself but when you look at the fact that Mississippi State offensive line recruiting with John Hevesy here it was not great the development was very good the coaching was very good the recruiting left a lot to be desired and so some of those chickens have kind of come home to roost. When Billy Gonzalez was our wide receiver coach, we struggled in a mighty, mighty way to attract elite wide receiving talent. We had to go get guys and develop them. And especially with our friends up the road, uh, air raiding the football all over under the Phil Longo offense. And you see what Laquan Treadwell did there. The next thing you know, it's a fun offense. And people want to go be a part of that in the Hugh Freeze years. And uh, and so they go get D.K. Metcalf. They get A.J. Brown. They get the NFL caliber talent. And then State had to go out and sign the leftovers. And I hate to say that in a negative way where people think I'm throwing shade at our own guys. I'm very appreciative of every guy that's ever put on the maroon and white uniform. 
but the bottom line is, is that you know we're playing with some guys that are that are marginal prospects. I mean, look, Osiris Mitchell is the guy that we signed in June. Signing day was in February, and he was still available as a late qualifier, and we went and got him. And so he, in most programs, might not even have the opportunity, but we were so desperate for wide receivers, we had to kind of wait him out and take a chance. And we signed he and Reggie Todd both after National Signing Day. And then, of course, Reggie Todd has moved on and uh, is playing elsewhere. But those recruiting failures at wide receiver and offensive line have kind of come home to roost. It's a lot easier to explain the defensive line stuff. So, you know what, we, we had all those juniors and seniors last year, and then Jeff goes pro, as expected, and we're having to start freshmen. And then the one guy that, that had SEC snaps, Lee Autry, uh, has been MIA most of the year. But when you begin to look at these wide receivers and say, okay, you know, Stephen Guidry, arguably the biggest recruiting win Mississippi State has had at the wide receiver position in, in, in several years. Because, you know, when Deronye Wilson wasn't highly contested. Donald Gregg was not a highly contested recruitment. Fred Ross was. So, yeah, Stephen Guidry's probably your biggest win in recruiting wide receivers since Fred Ross, who had a great career at Mississippi State. But over the past decade or so, we have not done a great job recruiting wide receivers. That has caught up with us as we have run a much more wide receiver-centric offense. Our deficiencies at that personnel group have kind of come to bear. It's kind of the same thing on the offensive line, even though I think the O-line has actually played better in recent weeks. But a lot of those deficiencies have had to be addressed in the last two classes. That's why you needed to go get a guy like Isaiah Zuber, even though he hadn't lit the woods on fire. We expected much more there. You get an offensive line group, but you've had to move some guys around. But, uh, you know, they're figuring it out. You've got some talent, some experience there, but now here we are 10 games into the season. And they're not able to just kind of flatten their backs out and just blow people off the line of scrimmage and pave the way for Colin Hill to take over games. Colin can only do so much on his own. There's got to be some room to run. And listen, sometimes he misses the hole. And sometimes he hits the hole and there's no hole there. It all works together. But we can sit here and and address those issues all we want, but there are two games left to play. Mississippi State has to win them both. It is as simple as that. Abilene Christian is uh, an FCS opponent. State should be able to run through them. I I would expect State to get a lead and then turn it over uh, to the young guys. And uh, I think Witherspoon gets a lot of carries in that second half, and I think you play some of those guys, and, and hopefully you can have a comfortable enough lead that uh, you can treat the second half almost like a bye week. And, of course, State can't afford to overlook anybody. But with Ole Miss having a bye week this week, or an open date, whatever you want to call it, uh, the Bulldogs you know, don't need to incur any injuries. You don't want to go out there and play not to get hurt. You just go play the ball game. But uh, you know, we got to go win this ball game and, and hopefully escape the back end of this thing unscathed. Because you're going to have the full complement of your healthy players next weekend or next Thursday when we play, play Ole Miss. But you win this one, all of a sudden you're five and six, and it sh- shakes up as we have all expected for a month now or longer. It's going to boil down to the egg bowl. Ole Miss now four and seven, 
still technically alive for a five and seven APR bowl should the cards fall just right. So they're going to come into the game having a little something to, th- to think of. They'll do the math on that as we get into uh, to Sunday and kind of figure out where things are. Will there be enough six and six teams? There is the possibility they would still have something to play for. Also know that uh, there are a lot of their fans that uh, you know have kind of checked out on them. They haven't had great attendance, and so I don't think we're going to have a lot of Ole Miss people coming here on Thanksgiving night to take over the stadium or anything of that, that matter, but we need you to be here. Need you to be here. State's going to need them both. We've been in a situation a couple times in the past decade. We found a way to win that ball game. Both of those games have come at home. We've got a lot to play for. This might be uh, the last time we see many of these Bulldogs in uniform. And so we need you guys to come out and be part of all that. We'll get into that much later in the week. Talk a little bit about Abilene Christian a little bit later, and we'll begin to talk Egg Bowl. We're fans. We don't coach or play. We can afford to look ahead. And I know many of you already are. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, long, 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 long time supporters of the show. Stan the man, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. Many of you have used the Campus Bookmart free parking lot behind the store there if you were a commuting student. And uh, now it's time for you guys to outfit your family. That's your home, your office, your RV, and everything. We're running our merchandise. And, Mom, let me go ahead and let me speak on behalf of the family. They may have already told you, but let me tell you again, everybody in the family wants new maroon merchandise. Everybody wants new Mississippi State clothing to wear. We're proud of our sports programs. We're proud of our university. We want to rep the brand. So let me encourage you guys, Mom, go ahead and order those new maroon jackets. Go ahead and get those new Mississippi State leggings for, you know, for the girls in the family. It's a great thing being part of the Mississippi State family. You should celebrate that. You can do that at campusbookmark.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. For those of you that weren't uh, out at the hump yesterday, and then there were a lot of you that weren't, uh, it's difficult on football weekends. I'm, I'm not going to have some, uh, you know, some issue here. Not going to chastise the fans, but you, mi- you you missed an entertaining basketball team. Uh, Mississippi State played really well again. This is a fun team, and uh, you know, through four games now, Mississippi State has held every opponent under 70 points, and the final three under 60 points. This is a really good defensive team. I, I enjoy watching them getting out and, and running and playing a little bit. They they are a fun team to watch. And that hasn't always been the case under Ben Howland here at Mississippi State. People say, well, you know, I want to win. Winning gets people in the stands. But before you win big, you got to be entertaining. And I think this team has the potential to be a very entertaining team. They're very good on defense. They play very, very hard. They play above the rim. They uh, they worked a lot of back court back door cuts yesterday, and uh, really 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 did some fun things. 
So let's kind of get into that real quick before we get out of here. Robert Woodard, huge day for him. Career high. 21 points, 16 rebounds. I believe he had a double-double at the half. And then really just kind of took over late. In addition to that, four assists. How about that from your four? Four assists, one personal foul, one turnover, two blocks, three steals. You talk about filling up the box score, there you go. Robert Woodard going to be a star in the Southeastern Conference, and it's really blossomed as a starter. Now that he is in the starting lineup regularly, he has really, really begun to take ownership of that position. 31 minutes of action, which led the team. There's a lot going on with him, and he's really responded well. Reggie Perry, one rebound short of a double-double. He gets 14 points for the second consecutive game. Nine rebounds. We, we, we cleared the bench, I guess, with about three and a half minutes to play, and so Reggie didn't get a chance to get that, but there'll be other opportunities. And again, interesting stat line for him 14 points nine rebounds just two personal fouls and also four assists how about that and the one turnover and a block when you're getting that type of ball movement out of your post players you're difficult to defend you know what i'm saying there's a lot of those big guys they're long and stiff and they can rebound and put back but when you can pull reggie perry up and get him out there you run the free throw line or whatever and allow him to kind of distribute the basketball i mean it's it's almost unfair that a guy that skilled can be a great passer in addition to being a volume scorer. Great game for Reggie Perry. And it's one of the things through a couple ball games, people are like, hey, you know, where, where's Reggie been? He's really shown up the last two ball games. And, and he's one of those kind of guys, too, that always seems to elevate based on the quality of competition. So by the time we get into conference play, I think you're going to feel really good about where Reggie Perry is. Iverson Molinar, again, continues to mature before our eyes. This, this is a guy who has no fear. He can finish at the rim. He plays great defense. There was a time after the Woodard three that he got a, a shove in the back, a kind of a two-hand shove from the starting point guard from UNO. He did not respond. He did not get baited into any of that back and forth. He just took the guy to the rack and, uh, and beat him off the dribble. And then later, after a turnover, he goes and blocks a dunk attempt. And rather than glaring at the guy or making some comment, he just went and played. That is very atypical for a freshman. 29 minutes of action, 10 points, one rebound, three assists, a couple turnovers. That's got to get better. But 4 of 4 from the the free throw line. And State wasn't a great free throw shooting team and really hadn't been all year. Just 15 or 24, but the young freshman, 4 of 4 from the line. Tyson Carter, again, just nine points from Tyson, and I think he is perfectly fine with that because Mississippi State is using him in, in many ways almost as a decoy. Didn't shoot it exceptionally well, but Mississippi State won going away. And how great is it to win comfortably without having to have a huge night from Tyson Carter because he is going to have some big nights. He is going to be a guy that uh, is going to be responsible for a lot of big wins from Mississippi State. Five assists for him last night. Good ball game. Knocked down a three. Did a lot of things well outside of shooting. You know what I'm saying? Good defensive guy. Did a lot of good stuff. Uh, so, Quentin Post, he is kind of a uh, fan favorite already with the students. Got his first basket as a Bulldog player. He looks really athletic. You know, a lot of long guys his size are kind of stiff. He, he does not appear to have that issue. He's got real good dexterity. 
Don't know how much he plays this year. But he is a guy that I think will be a real contributor for Mississippi State. I think everybody can be excited about that. We had a lot of guys get in the game last night. A lot of guys played. Keyshawn Fazell, probably you know the best bench player yesterday uh, in just 15 minutes. He bounced back. He had a tough ball game last time out. He's three or four from the floor, knocks down his only three-point attempt, and is two or two from the line, pulls down six rebounds, has an assist, nine points. You'll take that all day from him. DJ Stewart is an absolute monster on the field, on the, on the court, pardon me. Uh, six of ten from the floor in just 23 minutes of action, 13 points. Some of those very, very athletic. He is a guy on the backdoor cut that will finish around the rim. They told us in the preseason that Iverson Molinar and DJ Stewart were guys that could really finish at the rim, and they were going to be guys that could really elevate. They have been. So I don't know how deep we go with this team, but this is an exciting team. One of the things about last year's team that used to kind of irritate me is there were a lot of times that we would just kind of throw the ball to Q and then everybody would stand around. Or we'd get the ball to Lamar and just kind of let him take somebody off the dribble like we're watching the uh, N1 mixtape tour, you know, with Hot Sauce and the professor and those guys. That's how it seemed at times. And uh, I, I don't know that that was fair to those guys. But I think we're playing much better as a team. We're sharing the basketball more. And I think there are some younger guys that are kind of stepping up and beginning to establish themselves as contributors with this team. And so if you have not made it out to a men's basketball game, let me encourage you to do that because this is going to be a really good team. They're going to be on the road this week. They're in the uh, the Myrtle Beach Invitational. They're going to take on Tulane on Thursday. And then either... Villanova or Middle Tennessee State on Friday. They'll get the day off Saturday and then play a game on Sunday at a time against an opponent that is yet to be determined. So three games in four days. We'll be back in Humphrey Coliseum December 5th. Go ahead and make plans for that. Look forward to seeing you guys uh, in the hump. The MSU ladies are back in action tonight. The record-setting Mississippi State ladies basketball team. I'm going to run these scores down for you because I think it's important. You open the season with a 91-58 win over Southern Miss. Then an 82-46 win over Tennessee Martin. Then a 124-43 win over Murray State. Those are big offensive numbers. Those are also huge defensive numbers. Lost in all of the scoring is the fact that uh, nobody on the season has scored more than 58 points against the ladies. Now, granted, you're not playing SEC competition. But you're playing teams that have the ability to get out and go run a little bit. One of the things that Vic told us in the preseason is that we've got to find a way to play a little better defense. They're getting there. And by the time we get into conference play, I think you're going to have a really good, well-rounded basketball team. Now, this game tonight is going to be a little different, okay? Troy comes in. They're 3-0 in the season. They're kind of blowing people up, too. They beat Fort Valley State, and if Fort Valley State sounds familiar to you, that's where Greg Lloyd went to school. Greg Lloyd of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they beat Troy, Fort Valley State 101-52. They go beat Samford in Birmingham 74-65. They knock down Jacksonville State 94-64. So this is not going to be, you know, a typical team. This is not just going to be, you know, a rent-a-win. 
got to go play basketball tonight. That's at 7 p.m. tonight. Hopefully you guys can make it out. I will be on the road today, and uh, you kind of guys, you, you guys know what, what my life is like right now with the book signings, and it's been so wonderful. And uh, I want to thank you guys, for, uh, you know, from the, from the bottom of my heart for, um, you know, for what's going on right now. Uh, but let me share with you the schedule for the week, just so you guys will know. I will be in Cleveland, Mississippi today at Premier Sports from three to six. Wednesday, I will be at the Farm Restaurant in Rueville, Mississippi from 5 to 8. I think that's my first time to go to Rueville, unless I was just passing through. Now, Saturday, we're going to double dip. You can find me at Campus Book Mart Saturday morning from 8 to 12. And then from 1 to 4, I will be at the Lodge. So, Campus Book Mart in the morning, the Lodge in the afternoon. And then Sunday, November 24th, this coming Sunday the day after homecoming, I will be in Ridgeland, Mississippi at the Barnes & Noble from 1 to 3. So please come out, say hello, come get a signed copy, get a picture. Let's talk a little Bulldog sports. The book's doing exceptionally well. Very, very happy with how that's gone. And uh, when I pitched the book, I knew that it would be good. I knew that it would be an important book for Mississippi State fans. And uh, John Evans from Lemuria Books, John's been a great friend to me. I don't know that I have a better friend in the literary community than John Evans of Lemuria Books. John said that Flim Flam was an important book. He said Stark Villains is the book that every Mississippi State fan should have. I think you should have both. But when John Evans, a guy that has made his living as a bookseller, uh, calls your books important, it, uh, it is impactful. It means something to me. And we were sitting there privately, and he goes, I don't know why, it, why every Mississippi State fan wouldn't want the Stark Villains book. And I'm happy to say, too, we're already making plans for the sequel. It's already done exceptionally well, and uh, I I purposefully saved a few power names for the second book uh, because I I felt like this would probably be something that we would want to kind of build on. So so there you have it. Come out, come out, and uh, and see us at uh, one of the book signings, and uh, be very very busy. Probably uh, four and five a week between now and Christmas, and then uh, we'll see. Got some alumni events coming up too. And uh, happy to say that the Alumni Association has kind of been a willing partner. So we've got some things coming up in Biloxi, Huntsville, Alabama, talking about Birmingham. We're going to do something uh, around the Memphis area, maybe South Haven, DeSoto, somewhere like that. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I'm going to be out there a lot, spend a lot of time with you guys. Look forward to, uh, to being a part of all that. Look forward to seeing you guys. So I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll kind of recap what's happened midweek and kind of prepare you for the weekend. We'll look ahead to Abilene Christian. And, uh, and kind of move on from there. And uh, it, it is a big week for Mississippi State. It's because it's the next week. We need to find a way to win this ball game, and find a way to win the ball game and get some confidence and some momentum heading into the Egg Bowl. Because right now on, on offense, I just don't think we have a lot of confidence. We had a bunch after Arkansas. I think we lost some. I think we all expected to be a much better offensive team, even though Alabama's still Alabama. And Alabama still has a lot to play for. A little disappointed that we only put up seven points there. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.